Good morning, good afternoon or good evening, wherever or whenever you happen to be listening to this. Thank you for listening to the Sales for the Nigerian Wedding Industry podcast. I'm your host, Abuja-based event and wedding photographer, Taveshima Ayede. So today I come to the end of the narrative, at the end of the rant over contracts and the sales processes. So how should we use a contract? What is the best way to use a contract? In my opinion, the best way to use a contract is to map out the needs and agreed outcomes and timeframes. That's what you need to be focusing on. Needs, outcomes, and timeframes. And the only way that you're going to be able to do that reliably is if you have a sound and a crisp and a robust sales process. Because it's through those interactions and the emails and the phone calls and the meetings, if you're asking the right kinds of questions, that you're going to be able to get to... Uh, the kernel of um, the contract and the business relationship, which is um, what are the needs that we have agreed to, what am I supplying, what are your obligations towards me, uh, what are the outcomes that we're looking for, and what are the timeframes that we are working with for execution and for um, the deliverables. So uh, always have that in mind. So if you're a wedding planner, uh, what did we agree to, um, so if you're a wedding planner, what did we agree to? Was Egyptian cotton a uh, was it Egyptian cotton an essential uh, part of the arrangement? Um, what were the um, um, agreed outcomes? Did we agree on feeding 800 people or 1,600 people um, as well as um, the time frames? Did we agree that we're going to be there from uh, dusk till dawn? Or did we agree that we're only going to feed people during uh, the uh, reception and that didn't include um, the after party and everything else that um, follows. So use the contract as a map, but don't think of the contract as protection. Because with this example that I have given about um, feeding 800 people versus feeding 1,600 people, if you're going to rely on your contract as protection, then you're going to be uh, in for a big surprise. Because if the uh, family that you're dealing with um, is without um, reputation, if they are ruthless people, then it's not going to matter that they signed a piece of paper with you that you are going to feed 800 uh, people. And right now you're claiming that you fed um, uh, close to 1,600. That piece of paper is not going to be um, your um, protection because um, people will um, ignore um, and then, um, apart from that, given the attitude that most of us have towards uh, the courts in Nigeria, um, they don't really think these things are enforceable anyway. And so, um, you know, that's when you're going to get in, into all those shouting arguments of uh, what is it, you know, who are you, uh, I paid for your time, uh, I said you should feed all my guests, and why didn't you feed all my guests? You should have, and if there was an issue, then you should have told me I would have given you extra money. After all, is not money. How dare you ruin my day? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, all those shouting matches um, that ensue. So um, your contract actually is not a source of um, protection. It could be. The problem is just that for the contract to be your source of protection, you have to go to the courts. And going to the courts involve um, considerable time and considerable um, a considerable amount um, of money. So let's say in this case, the difference between 800 people and 1,006. So maybe what you're thinking of is they owe you maybe 1 million more 
uh, I can assure you that the lawyer that you're going to get to handle this is not going to take 50k from you. He probably is not going to take 100k from you. Uh, it's going to be a bit of money. And even if you were able to get the judgment in your favor, let's say after two years for uh, the bride's family to pay you that 1 million that they owe you, what are the chances uh, that you think you're going to be able to collect on that? Because if there were quarrelsome people in the first place, now that they have gotten the judgment, that it is going to be, and so, I'm in my house. Come and do your worst. Unfortunately, your worst is that you're going to have to go back to the lawyer. You guys are going to have to start new proceedings so that you can enforce uh, judgment again through the courts. That means more paperwork, more time, paying for lawyers, and, you know, really at the end of the day will that contract have been any protection for you if it is going to take you four years to collect on one million of which you're probably not going to be able to collect all that money so uh these are things that you need to um, think about there are people on either end of the spectrum who decide one way and i guess if that's what you're comfortable with then that's fine so if you think it's worth the hassle then go ahead but for me i think at this stage that we are at in our businesses I really don't think we should make it that much big of a deal. Make sure that your sales process is on point. And through the sales process, you're going to be able to figure out um, families and uh, brides that you should spend your time with and people that you should not. And then get your, excuse my French, get your bullshit radar up um, with your sales process. And if you really think somebody's going to be a problem, don't just say, let's go into it, but make sure the contract is tight. Don't get involved at all because at the end of the day, your contract is not your protection. Just use the contract as a map so that when things are staring, of course, it's something that you can um, point to that can bring everybody back to what the agreed outcomes are. So if you're dealing with sensible people, if it looks like things are spiraling out of control, it wouldn't be a problem to pull uh, mother-in-law aside or father-in-law aside and say, ah, mommy, what we agreed was 800 or but as it is now, what we have is 1,002 people uh, seated in the hall. Uh, Mommy, what should we do? And you guys can have that conversation about whether you're going to uh, make the rations smaller or if she's going to uh, spot you the amounts after the wedding and uh, what you should do to make up for that. I'm just saying that if you have a solid sales process in place and your bullshit meter is up, um, you're going to be able to uh, use the contract um, as a guide and don't rely on it as a protection. So the contract is just there to make sure that we all get back um, on course. So bottom line, use your sales process to protect you, to make sure that you're speaking to the right people, that you guys vibe, and that you have been able to tease out exactly what it is that was, um, exactly what it is that uh, uh, the that everyone had um, in mind, especially the bride and the groom. Because if it's especially clear from the beginning that what they had in mind was 800 people, but then from your experience, you discuss the matter of contingencies and contingencies were taken care of uh, in the negotiation process, then at the end of the day, it wouldn't be a problem when um, 1,006 people show up. Um, this is not a matter... This is not fiction because these things happen. Because like in my own case, I think we wanted to have a small wedding of uh, 400. Um, that's when Patience and I were getting married. I know some of you might say 400 is big. But take it from me as a professional wedding photographer in Nigeria that actually 400 is small in the Nigerian context. So for those of you who are listening uh, from uh, North America or the United Kingdom, 
you might think wow 400 that's huge but in nigeria 400 is a small wedding and uh, for those of you who are listening in from other parts of the world uh, eastern europe you know uh, my polish people um yeah they would agree with me oh and then our, our brothers and sisters in india yeah they will agree that 400 nah, that's that's a small wedding it's no big deal so um yes it was meant to be 400 but um a lot more people showed up but we had discussed um contingencies uh with our wedding planner and uh, so that um, that wasn't a problem. All the contingencies, uh, provisions that we came up with came into effect. And then after that, we uh, just reconciled accounts and um, all was good. So that's an example of what it is that I'm talking about. So don't just say the contract is your protection. Your sales process is your um, protection. Uh, so let's see what else. Mm. Okay. And then, um, most importantly, remember that whatever it is that you uh, decide on the matter, whether you're a contract person or you're a salesperson like I am, uh, remember that the maximum profits are going to come from um, referrals and you extending the lifetime value of our customers, our brides and grooms um, who approach us, want to make sure that they send uh, friends and family and associates um, our way. So whatever it is you do, don't allow it to be a source of attrition. So if you're a contracting person, don't let the contract be a source of attrition. Make sure that your language is nice, it's smooth, it's easy to understand, and it doesn't throw up, um, it doesn't uh, flag up issues that make um, the bride and the groom suspicious. And then if you are a sales process person, you also need to make sure that your sales process is nice uh, and is smooth and uh, um, customer-focused and customer-driven uh, so that you don't... Um, um, so that you don't sour the milk, basically, so that we can all um, go ahead on your own end so you can get this money. And then on their own end, you can provide them the wedding of their dreams that you have uh, promised. So, um, yeah, so that's it pretty much. But I would just like to stress one more time. I know I'm beginning to sound like a sour, like sauerkraut or something. But I'll just like to stress one more time, your contract is not your protection because um, this is a real life example. This is my cousin, so this is not Dempsey Dempsey. She had a store, uh, she had the contracts, all the paperwork was locked down um, and uh, one of the sub of the space didn't uh, stick to the terms of agreement. At the end of the day, they had to go to court. They had judgment of seven million um, issued in her favor and um, um, of course, uh, this thing took a couple of years and they had to pay lawyers. And uh, at the end of the day, um, this other person just was not going to cough up that $7 million. Even though people think, my cousin didn't tell me this, but people who kind of know the matter say that for this other person, yeah, the $7 million payment is something that could have been made even if uh, they had to come to, um, what's that thing called, payment terms. Yeah, like, you know what? Let me drop uh, two million now, and then every other year I drop one million, blah blah blah, whatever, until everything is uh, paid up. But the person just didn't pay. And then, of course, what do you think the lawyers say? The lawyers are not going to advise you to just go and smash down this person's house and uh, take their car and then sell it and get your money. You're going to have to go back to court again. And of course, at this time, my cousin, she was tired. Like what? Go back to court? No, nah, no thanks. It's it's okay. We're done. Let's just let it go. So, I don't want to mean to be um, um, sauerkraut on this, but um, your contract is not your protection. Have a solid sales process. Make sure that you're interacting and dealing and transacting with the right people in the first place. And you should uh, go on just fine. 
but just in case there are lawyers here who think that I'm giving out bad advice, um, maybe in a sense it is relative to the context, but that's also something I want to stress that sometimes some of these things are contextual. Like I was surprised to listen to my sales podcasts and business podcasts to find out that there actually is a society where contracts are not thought of as enforceable per se, but contracts are just thought of the first salvo in uh, parties agreeing to work together and unanimously. It seems to be that in Japan, a contract is not the same thing as we would expect in Western climes. So, in Western climes and countries that have been inf- uh, affected by Western thought, like Nigeria, if you have a contract, it's ironclad, it is what it is, there's no bending, except if you guys sit down and decide to review the contract in the manner that the contract provides for. But surprisingly, in places like Japan, you guys enter into the contract and the contract is just uh, thought of as a very nice and uh, formal um, handshake but as you guys go forward there are several things on the contract that can be renegotiated and redone as uh, time comes along but then again it's a different kind of society and they have different ideas about um, honor and obligation that the rest of the world doesn't share so maybe that's why it works in japan but it wouldn't work in nigeria so a lot of these things that i'm saying contextual so if you are in North America or in the United Kingdom, I guess it doesn't apply. If you're in Japan, um, I guess all the things I'm saying applies. If you're in Nigeria, it's a little bit of this, it's a little bit of that. It depends on the amount. So for those of us who are still at the small um, area of our business, where we're just collecting several hundred thousands um, as fees, then I guess that's not a problem. But if you're at the big boy stage and you're collecting several millions as fees, then uh contracts really are essential and lawyers would be worth the hassle because engaging lawyers to collect on seven mil that you're owed is not the same thing as engaging a lawyer to collect on a hundred mil that you're owed you know in one case it might be worth the hassle in another case it might not so thank you very much for listening to the sales for the nigerian wedding industry podcast i'm your host abuja based event and wedding photographer tavishima ayede i will catch you guys on the next recording